What's up, everybody? This is Marlins in-game host, Mike B., and you're listening to Fish Across the Pond, Marlins UK podcast with Peter Pratt. Cheers from the 305. Welcome to episode 87 of Fish Across the Ponds. It's a Marlins UK podcast, and I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Delighted to welcome on the show, in his usual spot, Lee Dobbs. Lee, how are we doing? I know, it's good as always. No, it's, it's good to see, see baseball back. Absolutely. Opening day, opening weekend has come and gone. We're already onto the second series, so uh, absolutely, tons to dive into. In the two spots, Sean Barrett. Sean, how are we doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. As Lee said, uh, finally got some real games to talk about. So uh, exciting times. Good man. And as you may have seen on Twitter, Rob Newell, he's dropped onto the IL at the last minute. So we've thrown it out there. We looked for Twitter to help. We looked for someone to help. And uh, a legend has stepped up. The king of Buffalo, Tyler Wilson. He's in the house. Fish across the pond debut. Tyler, how are we doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing great. And uh, obviously, it's going to be hard to step up in Rob's shoes on the off the aisle. But hopefully, this call up will kind of be like a Marlins prospect kind of way. So hopefully, I can succeed uh, filling some great shoes. So, but I'm happy to be on here. I've been looking forward to come on here at some point. You guys get, provide great analysis. And I'm just happy to be a part of the show. Awesome. Well, listen, buddy, appreciate you hopping on last minute. You're right. We've been talking about, been talking about you coming on the show for ages. So it's great to find. Uh, an opportunity to do that. Uh, wish Rob well uh, and his uh, and his wife. I know she's not feeling great, so uh, you know, enjoy the show as well, Rob. Um, guys, we are four games into the season. Just four games. The Marlins are sitting at one and three. Uh, for me, <laughs> I feel like we very easily could have been four and zero. Oh. We very easily could have been zero oh and four. It could have been two and two. It could have been anything. Lee Dobbs. What's been the biggest takeaway for you so far, buddy? Uh, I guess the bullpen isn't great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I'd let us down. <laughs> Who was but, that, Bass, did you say? Yeah, Bass. Oh. I mean, that was, uh, well, you know, a you know, nightmare inning. <laughs> but, you know, you know he, did, he, he did come back the next day. So, you know, hope, hopefully that's something to build on. I mean, the... The bats have been okay-ish. You know, it's not been a hot start. I mean, but the sign pitching, you know, you know the, the two aces, Sandy, Pablo, were, were, you know, were great. Rogers, I mean, that first I- inning was rough, but after that, <laughs> you, know, you know, you know, he settled down, you know, was it six, six Ks? So, yeah. you, know, you know, hopefully it, it was just nerves, you know, sort of for, for that first inning. But yeah, you know, overall, like you know, one and three, you know, like you know, as you, know, as you say, we we could be three and one, but yeah, you know, it's been a tough start. Mm. I mean, I mean, you know, we we were playing the the like well, you know, like, you know, well, well, to series runners up. So you know what, you know, it it was a tough start, but you know, it's just good to have to, to have some games back. And oh, you know, overall there, there, you know, there was some some good good stuff, jazz. No, you know, you know, stealing bags, blue hair. <laughs> hey, know. Jazz, he's electric. We're gonna get, we're gonna get into him in some more detail later, no doubt about it. I think that's, I think that's a good summary, uh, Lee. Sean, what about you, buddy? Any any major takeaways uh, from the first four? Yeah, a bit of a up and down couple of days. I think probably the biggest takeaway I've had for over these days is all spring training. We were talking about how many arms we had, the depth of arms we had. Mm-hmm. And it is a case of you can never have enough arms. And I think these first couple of days really stress that point, you know, with Alicia going down and Sixto probably having a bit of an extended time down at um, the alternate site. So, yeah, it's it's uh, certainly going to start testing what depth we do have. Absolutely. Tyler, what about you, buddy, in terms of biggest takeaways from the first four? 
The fact is, I think Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, and Trevor Rogers, I think it's like a top three. But I think I'd be really scared to face in a playoff series. And then you kind of get to just add Sixto Sanchez later in the year. Uh, the starting pitching is going to be elite. I don't know if the offense is going to be league average. I hope so, but I don't know. And then the bullpen for me, uh, it's a lot of lottery tickets. Hopefully you can scratch one off and maybe one of them is like a Nick Anderson type that maybe you can get some value off of. Mm. But uh, that's kind of the big thing to me is like hoping that maybe some of these pieces in the bullpen work. And if we can trade them away, if we, it, or if we're in contention, hopefully maybe they pay off in the long run. Uh, but I'm, I'm kind of concerned about the consistency of the offense, but I'm, I'm extremely excited about the pitching. And I think it's going to be a great year for Marlins starting pitcher. Do you think, do you think there's enough in the, in the pitching side to keep the Marlins in contention, you know, up to the deadline and, you know, maybe make the Marlins even buyers at the deadline again, like they were last time, Tyler? I think potentially, uh, just because I really like the rotation of um, Sandy, Pablo, Trevor Rogers, and Nick Nider. They can push that off until I believe they said April 11th, really, pretty much. So I, I definitely think there's a way in which we can kind of get, get by to the deadline. It really just depends on can the bats keep us alive. And I think it's going to be a streaky team. I think there's going to be some games where they can win 12-7, to 7, and there's going to be some games where they lose 2-0, to 0, and there's almost nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Yeah, it is what it is. I, I gave it, you know, last time we spoke, guys, I gave it the big the big guns. I was giving it the big guns saying the NL East, the Marlins, the, the arms, arms for days, full of depth. Well, the depth is going to be tested. Uh, it, it really is, you know, within four days, well, three days probably, um, you know, 40% of the rotation is missing. Uh, obviously, Sixto had a setback in his tune-up. That wasn't great. I guess the main benefit there is or the positive side is it could have been worse. I think really is that from that one, it was, you know, mild shoulder inflammation and doesn't sound too serious. So that's positive. Eliezer, for me, that's more troubling. Um, bicep injury doesn't sound great. Um, but also, you know, we struggle to stay on the field for long periods, I, I think. So that is a concern. Um, but, you know, I think... <sighs> I think the main question for the Marlins right now, uh, you know, I'll come to you on this one, Sean, is how do we handle this? How are they going to handle this in the next few weeks? You know, with, with two of those five guys that were slated to start a lot of games gone, um, do they, you know, they've obviously got Nick Nider up. He's, he's slated to start, um, but they're going to need another starter. How are they going to fill these holes, mate? Well, I said, you said obviously bringing up Nider. Um, to cover some of the gaps early on. I think Sixto, you know, we could realistically expect to see him away for a few weeks, maybe the first month. Alicia, who knows yet? They haven't really said too much, but realistically, it doesn't sound positive. We could be looking at an extended period of time. You know, we've got guys that can throw multiple innings. We saw Holloway uh, the other day. We've still got Garrett down there. Um, and I think he would, we spoke during spring training saying that this guy's probably going to be due to throw 100 innings this year. Um, we, we have got that depth there to cover the guys for the short term. Hopefully it is just the short term. Maybe they start looking for a, a transaction, start looking mm -hmm. for an extended guy. It's, it, I think it will all play on how long we are down six yeah. down, ultimately. And as Tyler said, you know, we've got Sandy, we've got Pablo. And Rogers, apart from that first inning where he just looked too hyped up, he was just it was <laughs> he was first, pumped. One. <laughs> he was really throwing it, you know, hard and fast, but with little control. You know, he settled down. If you just strike out that first inning, he looked great. So as a one-two-three punch, we've got there. We, you know, I think we can be pretty happy. And we talked again during the spring training. Like you look at other major league baseball teams, and three, sometimes four, or five pitchers look you know below average mm. so i think you know we've got the depth there that we can we can fill in those gaps if rogers can step up and be a, a third starter essentially you know we can fill in the gaps here there and everywhere for fourth and fifth i think the depth's there ultimately yeah tyler what did you make of that that first outing from uh, from big trevor uh it was uh, the control was an issue early on right 
and it was almost the kind of control almost pretty much the whole game. You know, way you could just saw me peppered around the zone, inside, outside, high, low. I loved the Trevor Rogers start because it was honestly one of those things where like, all right, your first start of the year in Marlins Park, your first inning, you're facing a good St. Louis Cardinals team that I respect a lot with the bats. And he kind of, like you saw, he was pumping 98, 99. Hey, pump 96 and hit the zone. That's okay with us. But mm-hmm. you can see that it was a lot for him. And he went in the bullpen. Uh, he went in the bench. And Don Madden had a good talk with him. And he came back out. And from that point on, he was almost lights out. He's the Trevor Rogers that you expect. And I think he dealt with a good St. Louis Cardinals lineup pretty well. So I, I'm all in on Trevor Rogers. I love Trevor Rogers. I'm, it's hard for me to not say that he's – he. To me, he's almost on the same level. With proven time, I'm not entirely certain he's not better than Pablo Lopez by the end of the year. Um, you see it everywhere. Everywhere in baseball is all hyped up on Trevor Rogers. Look at the strikeout potential, the deception, the delivery, the fastball. I'm all in on Trevor Rogers. I'm excited to see him this year pitch, and I hope Nick Nider can even live up to that expectation that I have for Trevor Rogers. But I absolutely love watching him pitch, and he's, he's a good pitcher, no doubt about it. Absolutely. Hey, listen, I've been all in on that as well. I've been on it early. Love Trevor Rogers. I was not happy with what I saw that first inning. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. But the bounce back, the way he came back and finished it off was great. I think there was a moment, if I recall, I think he went three pitches in a row, maybe three change-ups to Yanni Molina and struck him out with three exact same pitches at one point, which I thought was uh, was awesome. So, you know, he was amped, he was pumped, um, but he settled in. I, I think I think he'll be a strong contender for Rookie of the Year. I think he, he, he has to be. And I think the way the rotation's shaping up, he's going to be pitching a lot of innings. We're going we're to be needing him. So, yeah, love love what I'm seeing from Trevor. Um, Lee Dobbs, let's, let's talk bullpens. Let's talk bass mania. Um, <laughs> I mean, his first outing, it did not go well. And I think in the broadcast, the way they were setting it up, they were saying, hey, uh, Anthony Bass, you know, ground ball specialist. Next thing is, he's just pitching up high in the zone and balls are disappearing everywhere. You know, was was Bass just having the same jitters that, that, that Trevor Rogers was seeing in his first game out, do you think? Yeah, you know, you know, we, we can hope so. I mean, because he, he he did bounce back, you know, for the next night. So, yeah, you hope it, it was just... Just you know, like you know, you like say you know, opening day, day nerve sort of you know, f- you know, first save, you know, you know, chance. So I mean, I mean, you know, we 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 we've seen him close, you know, you know, be the be the closer, you know, for for, for the Blue Jays. So so he can do it. So uh, it was just more annoying that you know, you know, you know, first win of the season, you know, it was coming. You know, it, you know, it, it was half three, you know, in the morning here. You know, yeah, when when he blew it. So it, it, it was more more that like you know you know frustration more more you know for us you know, yeah you know, here you know in the UK I mean because I mean they they will blow saves you know no close is perfect it's just when it comes you know in the first game well we we know yo know, yo know, his first game you know it, it's more tougher but I, I think I did read some of that was it Romo you know you know, like did that as well and yeah you know, you know, you know, and then came came back. You know, you know, we loved him. So, yeah, you know, he, he, you know, he can bounce back. So yeah. Hopefully, you know, you know, we see that. Absolutely. Sean, what about Yimmy Garcia, buddy? Because we talked about it in, in spring. A lot of hard contact flying around. And, you know, game one was decided on a on a bomb from Austin Meadows, but off Yimmy Garcia. So not optimal, I would say, from, from Yimmy Garcia either. No, I think I mean it's it's early, and we're talking about some super small sample mm. sizes, and I think ultimately it is a case of well, that's all we've got to go on at the moment, and you know we are gonna we are gonna make some rash decisions and and talk about you know what what we have got to talk about at the moment. Yeah, it wasn't ideal. I think ultimately the the team haven't you know haven't been completely blown out. In any of the games, really, when you know we're not seeing the double-digit scores, I think we've just got to sort of hope that you know the guys that have struggled so far um, bounce back, and um, you know we are going to be trusting Bass and, and Yimmy, you know, in the high-leverage situations going forward. So, 
you know, if, if, if they're not going to perform, then, you know, that's something that's going to be a concern for the rest of the year. Are you panicking on anyone? Is anyone worrying you more than you'd expect? No, I don't think so. I think four games in, I think it's it's too early to say anybody's really struggling massively. You know, we've got, you know, the starting pitching has been good on, on the on the whole. Um, there's been some hitting highlights. I think ultimately, you know, we've just played three games against the Rays, a team that are realistically going to score a win 85, 90 wins. They always play us tough, that's for sure. Mm. Um, and then we've played a game against the Cardinals, a team again that's, you know, a perennial playoff team. Yeah, I think ultimately we we've only got four games to react on, but it's it's far too early to you know start burning any boats. It is. I agree. I agree. I, and I think that's the sense from Donny post game yesterday. That was the sense from him was we're going to be all right. We're going to be fine. You know, we'll 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 find our groove. He feels like both offensively and pitching, we're in a good spot, and it'll come. I got to say. Um, there's been some moments, uh, I, I don't know if you recall, but I think after the first game I put out on Twitter, there was that Aguilar moment where it, off the bat, I thought that's hitting the windows. <laughs> and I, I shouted accordingly and woke everyone up in the house at that moment. I think it was about midnight our time. And uh, the ball just didn't travel. And I think we've seen that in Marlins Park, though, haven't we? Like balls, they look initially, you see the contact, you hear it and you think, Oh boy, and they're they're not even getting anywhere near the the track or anything. It's it's kind of weird. I, I don't know what it is, um, but it's <laughs> it's certainly created some weird head scratcher moments for me personally, where I've gone, ah, okay, that's not even got anywhere near the track or even threatened. Um, some of the other some of the opposition home runs though and hits have been absolute no doubters. Some of them they've, <laughs> but Meadows his second home run. He seemed to just scoop and flick it, and it just went miles. It was a real weird one. So, I don't know. There's some funky things going on in Marlins Park with with the hitting right now. And I know the roof was open yesterday. The windows are open. So, yeah, I, I don't know how that's going to impact things. I don't know how these balls are going to play out. I think it's you know something we'll I guess we'll monitor. But it it's it's felt a bit weird for the Marlins. Like I've, when you thought it was going to be a, a big hit, has turned out to be not that. So. Tyler, what about you on the on the offensive side, buddy? Let's switch. Let's switch to the hitters. You know, we're only four games in, so it's a real small sample, buddy. But you know, what are you what are you seeing in general from the way this uh, roster and this offensive uh, lineup is is being constructed right now? The number one thing to me is I think the offense is going to be better on the road than at home. I think the you know you got to think the James Rousen addition from the Twins. They're super big on power. The launch angle across the team has actually been great. I, I just think it's them playing in Marlins Park. I think handicaps are strategy almost in a mo in a way. Like, hey, we're gonna just try and blast them out of park. This is not a this is not a hitter friendly park. It's gonna be difficult to do that. And so I, I think they're gonna be really good on the road. I think the offense is gonna be great um, on the road. And I, I think that in a way that is from that Minnesota Twins edition. But to me, it's actually Corey Dickerson. I'm a little surprised. I like Corey Dickerson. I I you saw last year he was able to work counts. He was able to do well. Um, but at times he struggled a lot. And I think that's because he's a professional hitter. This is just kind of what he does. I don't think platoon splits is actually a great idea for him. Just like I think last year was a bad idea for him because he's not able to get into that rhythm. He's not able to just have his hot streaks like Corey Dickerson is known for throughout his career. So I think Corey Dickerson's going to struggle this year actually due to the fact that he's not ever going to be able to get into that groove that I think he needs. Mm. And then obviously you got players like Brian Anderson, Jorge Alfaro, uh, wish the best for that man. But I, I think it's going to be consistency uh, throughout the lineup. I, I just don't think that we don't, we, the Marlins don't really have consistent hitters. And with the exception of Starling Marte and I think Garrett Cooper as well, but they're going to be struggling to find people with bats and even players like Adam Duvall. Those are, it's a hit or miss kind of guy with Adam Duvall. You might get a solo shot or you might get three Ks. There's no real telling with him. So I think consistency is going to be a real big problem with this offense moving forward. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair summary. What about, what about this Dickerson, you know, leading off situation? Like, not prototypical leadoff hitter. I mean, I don't know where, where's he hit before in his, in his career. And I don't know if he's been a leadoff hitter. I don't think he has, but what's your take on that one? For me, it just, I understand why he's there. It's kind of like he's there to chew pitches, but that's not 
kind of really what you're looking for from from the leadoff guy. What, what what's your take on that? I think it's what Donnie wants, and the problem is, I think Corey Dickerson in the past would be able to chew up those pitches, even though he's not like he's not your ideal one. It's a little bit like having Wilson Contreras batting first for the Cubs. It's not it's pretty contrarian to say, hey, Corey Dickerson's the leadoff batter. If he was performing up to par, I would say, okay, you know, it's weird, but it's getting some results. But with him struggling, yeah, it's just a matter of time before you see it move off, and it's just not going to work. I don't know who's going to be batting the leadoff. You can see it being Jazz Chisholm. He's actually – he's had great patience at the plate so far. He's had a good eye. So, I mean, are we going to look at that point where you're going to have that speedster batting leadoff for Don Mattingly? Potentially. Yeah, well, they've done it before, right? That's been a, something that's worked in the past. I, I mean, small sample size it is, but – why is Miggy, Miggy Rowe not leading off every game? He, you know, that's the game the offense has, has peaked thus far. Miggy Rowe is at the top of the order. Um, you know, for me, let's get let's get the captain there leading off. Why not? I think that's the most optimal way for this Marlins lineup. I think that's where Don Mattingly is going to go. I mean, I think in the next probably, what, three to four games, we're going to start seeing Miguel Rojas leading off just due to the fact and nature that he does see a lot of pitches. And offensively, over the past two seasons, he's done nothing but improve. I mean, he's a better player right now than Corey Dickerson is. I just think Don Mattingly is trying to give Dickerson that chance until he just gives it up to Miguel Rojas because Miguel Ross is batting eight a lot of times, nine a lot, you know. So for Don Manley to be like, oh, yeah, we'll bat him lead off. That's a big change. And he kind of started to do that last year a little bit where he was like, I believe Miguel Rojas to, to be in that top of the part of the lineup. And I think he, Don Manley is going to embrace that by the end. I, I know Miggy would too. I mean, I think Miggy would love it just to be plonked in there and, you know, in the leadoff spot and just, you know, do his thing. He's, um, you know, he's been one of, if not the best, Marlins offensive guy and consistently as well. So, you know, why not get him up there? The, the interesting other name you threw out there was Jazz. Um, Sean, um, you know, Jazz, he's been a real bright spot for, for the Marlins in the three games he started. Um, you know, stole two bags in one inning, you know, is has hit balls hard as well. First couple of games, he hit a lot of hard balls, didn't get any luck, but then um, kind of got things going, I think, in the, in the third game. But, you know, there's been a lot of buzz about Jazz leading up to the season and now in the first few games, what's been your take on him? Yeah, I think one of the biggest takeaways I've had from him, not just the performance, you know, he's, he's got a couple of knocks and as you said, two stolen bases in, in a single inning. I think it's probably, you know, the impact he had on the team. When Chisholm's on the, in the lineup and on the team, he just seems to be a little bit of a spark plug for the team. Yeah. There's a little bit of excitement. There's a little bit of, you know, in, in even in the crowds, that's the one Thing I've noticed in the last couple of games is there's been spots where Miami Park or Lone Depot Park, sorry, has <laughs> sounded quite loud, and fans are getting behind the team, and they and they're such you know there's a bit of excitement, and there's a bit of a buzz in the in the in the stadium, and I think Chisholm is is the kind of player that you know uh, a fan going to their very first game is going to go and go I like that dude, that guy's that guy's going to bring me back to the to the park again and again. Um, so I think, you know, having him as a spark plug, not just for the team, but also for the fan base is something that, you know, I think we can get excited for. Yeah, 100%. I mean, every at-bat, I'm excited. If he gets on base, I'm excited. He pumps it up. I, what I didn't really, I, I didn't get yesterday. We obviously had a weird off day on the Sunday, just the way the scheduling worked out. And then, you know, the Monday game, uh, Jazz Chisholm not in the lineup. I found that a little bit odds. Um, that that he had a blow after already a scheduled off day. So what was your take on that one? Obviously, Birdie did well in spring, etc. But from what we've seen from Jazz, I, I find it hard to leave him out of the lineup, to be honest. Well, well yeah, you know, like I said, he's been a bit of a shot in the arm for the team. I think we spoke all spring about having too many players for too many spots. And I think, you know, it's a, it's a tough situation for Donny having to move players around to get them the playing time. I think ultimately, you know, it all shakes out. I think everyone's going to get their fair crack at the at the bat. I think, you know, the the you know we're going to have different lineups for different days, different pitchers. Ultimately, yeah, there's going to be some days when we're going, oh, I want this guy in the lineup or that guy in the lineup. And ultimately, I think that's a, a good situation to have. Yeah, no, agreed. Lee Dobbs, uh, I I won't ask Sean about him because I I know I'll get a biased answer. So. Let's get into a bit of Garrett Cooper 
Um, was on the IL seemingly for one day, but is back today. But anyway, for me, Cooper Loop, um, should he be in the lineup most days, do you think? Yeah, from you know, yeah, the because the, the bat he he brings, I mean, I mean, you know, he, he's already been one of our, our best hitters, you know, you know, you know in the first, the first four games. So, yeah, I mean, but it's just finding a spot for him because I mean, it's going to have to be, you know, in the outfield. But it then means having them to move them them lot around, and then you know if they don't get any you know like you know you know like consistent time you know either. But but I you know it's basically a choice of who would you rather you know to play Cooper or Duval. You know, and at, at the minute you know it's Cooper because I mean, but it's just a shame that we don't have the DH. You know, yeah, because because he is perfect for you know. For it, but yeah, for, you know, for, for, for me, we we've got to try and find find a way that he plays, you know, every day. Yeah, I, I agree, Tyler. I'll, I'll come to you quickly on on the DH uh, specifically. You know, a bit more of a bigger theme. Um, for me, what stood out in the first few games was was Tyler Glasnow. Um, not only was he sensational from a pitching perspective, and he truly was. I was I was blown away by how good Glasnow was. And for me, getting Marte to strike out what four times. Uh, in one game, that says to me, you are an absolute stud. So, um, you know, Glasnow top draw, but the it was his at-bats that I think drew as much attention where he literally didn't move. He did not move once for any pitches and then just was happy to be struck out and walk back. What What's your take on this whole DH situation and, and kind of where we're at right now with this? Yeah. To me, I'd rather have a DH because I'd rather watch productive at bats, but also for pitchers to stay healthy. If I'm not mistaken, a pitcher was actually injured. I wish I could remember the name, but he was actually injured taking a swing. Yeah, it was Gallon, uh, so wasn't it? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, it was that Gallon. And so now yeah. he's out for an extended period of time. Yeah. And honestly, I, that's cool. You can be like, oh, look at Dontrell Willis. Hey, look at Zach Cranky. Hey, that's cool. I'm not going to have outliers set the standard. And to me, I'd rather watch a productive at bat than watch a pitcher just sit there and take strikes. And you know what? If I was Kevin Cash, I would tell Tyler Bass now the same thing. Hey, don't swing this bat. You just sit there. And they can pump three straight strikes in the zone. That's cool with me because guess what? If you're injured taking a swing or you get on or you get in the bag and you're injured uh, running the bases, that's a big that's a big blow to the race because they don't really have anything past last time. So to me, it's one of those things where you want to put the best product on the field, then you know what? It's time to open up the DH and 100% without a doubt. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I thought it was interesting uh, post-game that, uh, that Cash came out and said, well, he, he wasn't swinging because he had something wrong with his back and whatever. And I was like, hold on a minute. He was out throwing 100 mile an hour for seven innings or whatever. There was nothing wrong with his back. And if anyone believes that it was uh, he had an issue, um, it was not the case. He was instructed not to swing, but it was to preserve himself, as you mentioned, Tyler. You know, you, you don't swing because we can't afford to lose you. There was nothing wrong with his back. I can, I, can, I saw it with my own eyes. There was nothing wrong with it. Um, so, yeah, I, I find, you know, the league have got themselves in this mess here where you've got some terrible ABs and haven't had a 60-game sample of, you know, DH action in, uh, in the NL. I can testify the games are miles better. They're miles better. When you get to these pitching spots... Ah, it's just it's just crap. Like these the, the pitchers, you know, they don't want to be there. Most of them, unproductive at bats, momentum killers. Just it really hurts the offensive side of, of of the teams as well. So you've got dead and balls in the league. You've got pitchers hitting again. I've got to be honest. Some of these early Marlins games, they've been they've been turgid. They haven't been that enjoyable to watch actually. Like it's you know last year every game, I, I struggled to find a duff. You know, there was hardly any duds. I've got to be honest, at least two of the four thus far have been duds for me. Like, they truly have. Um, the balls, the rules, you know, I think I think MLB have, have missed a beat, a couple of beats on this one. But, you know, we'll see what happens in the future. You know, more annoying as well is we know it, it's coming. You know, like next season, it, it's, you know, it's guaranteed and, you know, almost... So it's, it's it's just frustrating that we now have to go go through through this season, you know, you know, with the pit with the pitchers hitting when we know it's probably going to be 
the last time. Exactly. I mean, uh, to be fair to Sandy, he was up taking some serious hacks, if I recall, on, on opening day. So Sandy's back on the mound today. I'm, you know, listen, it's a bit of fun, but in the main, most of the pitches are terrible and it's, you know, it's an automatic out. And really, that's just not fun for anyone. Um, and it, it's moment, momentum killing and, you know, it's, it's just not good for the game, I don't think, anymore. I think we've all moved on, but unfortunately, the game hasn't quite caught up. So, okay, guys, um, what what have I missed? What have I missed thus far? Uh, I t- actually, there's a few guys I just want to briefly mention. Um, Sean, one guy for me that's really stood out, I tweeted about it earlier, Jesus Aguilar. For me, he's just been hitting hard balls in every game. He's looked great, I thought, I, I think, Aguilar, and he's looking real nice. Um, uh, what, what's your take on him? And as well, who else have, have, have we missed offensively that we should call out at this stage? Yeah, you, you bring up Aguilar. Um, he's been, yeah, he's been hitting the ball quite well. Not too much success at the moment. I think I've written down just missed quite a few times yeah. when he's been at bat. Um, specifically yesterday, I was watching the game and beyond the run scored in the first inning where, you know, there was trouble with Rodgers and he was walking guys and, you know, with a couple of errors in here, it was quite a, yeah, quite a slow game, quite a boring game. There were so many fly ball outs that we, you know, just got hung up, weren't going anywhere. You know, it's like you said, the the windows are open in the stadium. That doesn't help. The balls are dead. And it was just, yeah, offensively, it was just a bit of a slow game. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately, as we get, as the, the weather warms up and we start opening up, you know, into other, other stadiums, we'll see that that level that hitting approach is going to reap rewards. Um, I think the only other major offensive um, bat that we've had, other than Coop, obviously, is is Marte. Marte is is really hot at the moment. Um, couple of hit by pitches or yesterday, although they were off the jersey, didn't even touch him. So, but we'll t- we'll take any of those. I think ultimately Marte is probably going to be our best all-round bat as we go into the season. I think he's, again, an exciting player for us. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the Marlins do. I know that I'm pessimistic and I think we'll trade him, but I'd love to see, you know, a full season of him and and a few more scenes in in the Marlins jersey. But I think he's probably been been that that A1 player for us so far. I mean, he's class. We knew he was class. That's why we acquired him. We fleeced the Diamondbacks to get him personally. Like I think we did. I think it was an it was an incredible trade for the Marlins. Um, clearly, we had to pay him the money this year. Uh, his deal expires. Do you think we can extend him? Do you think, do you think that's even a possibility and even one that Marte himself wants to consider, or is he going to be? You know, this is my only real big shot for a big deal now. Um, and we'll go to free agency irrespective. I think it depends. I think he's enjoying himself in, in Miami. I think he's enjoying the team. I think ultimately, I think he will be impacted by how well the team do. Mm. If we if we end up on a t- on a run where we're going to end up with 65, high 60 wins, then he's probably going to move on and, and try somewhere else. If if we keep him and and it's you know the team win 75, 80 wins, and he sees that progression, you know ultimately it's still going to cost us what two years at sixteen million, maybe a couple of option years on top of that. That's a lot of money for the Marlins. Yeah. I think Marte. I think Marte is worth it, and I think it is one of those cases of we've got to spend some money somewhere. Why not on him? Um, so I think there's I think there's an opportunity that we could see him on the team going forwards. How likely that is is another matter, but I think it all depends on how well the team does this year. Yeah, seems fair. Tyler, of the three guys, I mean, me and the other guys talked about it last week, but of of uh, BA, Sandy, Marte, how many of those three guys then get an extension this year from the Marlins? Zero. <laughs> um, I, I think Marte, I would love to have him on the team. Uh, $16 million I think, is a really fair price for him. I think the Marlins got a lot of holes that I think kind of they need to fill. It's kind of in that bullpen. Like, I'd rather, honestly, see two $8 million proven arms. 
than a $16 million Marte with what's coming up. Hopefully that can kind of fulfill that in a way. Um, Brian Anderson, no, I don't think so. Not yet. I, th I think they're going, I think that they're actually actively trying to find someone who could fill that hole um, in case, because right now it's just Brian Anderson really at third base. There's no one else there. Mm -hmm. And a little bit kind of like how you saw the Zach Allen jazz Chisholm trade. Uh, would they be willing to do something else like that with the extent, with the amount of arms that they have to do a uh, to do a pitcher or a positional player swap to have more control so they don't have to pay Brian Anderson? I think the answer is yes to that, and I, I think I think that's actually a lot more likely than what people think what would happen. I think there's a chance they let Brian Anderson go because you can only pay so many players, and as good as Brian Anderson is, he's not he might not be able to be one of your best players in a World Series contending team. So why not take the younger player and be able to spread the money elsewhere that they're gonna to need to immediately fill the holes that the team's gonna need for a World Series push. Well wow. what about what about Sandy? What's your what's your view on him longer term? Uh, so I think he was an unrestricted free agent, I think, in 2024, I do believe. So I think we got two more years of him. Um, not paying someone like Brian Anderson kind of allows you that cushion to be able to pay him. Um, I do think Sandy kind of warrants one, but I don't believe that they're going to give it to him until probably uh, 2023, the year before he hits uh, as a unrestricted free agent. Because I think he's 29 going into his UFA. Um, so I think he can definitely warrant it depending on it. But I actually do think there's going to be a lot of suitors for Sandy Alcantara. And I think if they're not going to actually – I think this might upset Marlins fans. But if they're not going to extend them, then you're looking at maybe in 2023 they're actually going to be trading him for it. So um, I, I'd like to see them sign him. Um, but I, I don't think they're actually going to lock themselves into that until they're back to the corner. Because I think they're going to want to continue to spend money and not have a lot of money locked up long term. Yeah, I Listen, they're all valid points for sure. I, I saw, I think, Joe Vasaro tweeting around these topics this week and, you know, getting, getting the polls going, uh, which is always interesting. Uh, for me, uh, I was thinking I, I'm probably in line with you, Tyler. I'd, I'd be surprised, actually, if, if any of these guys are, are extended this year, um, maybe as we get into next year. But I, I sense with Marte that uh, we'll either move him or we will decide not to use the money if he is with us for the full year. Um, so I think that's that's probably the likely outcome there. And I think the other guys, there's just no real need for the Marlins to, to, to extend. Like they may as well just carry on with undervalue Arb and kind of see how the farm grows, you know, below that and see where, they, where, they're, where they're at rather than lock themselves in longer term to some guys um, that, that they really don't need to make that call right now. So I don't know, maybe, the, maybe they go a different direction. They want to kind of put a stake in the ground and go, hey, we want to, you know, commit to a couple of guys and cement them as the core, but it's probably more of a PR piece than, I guess, a, a, a baseball decision, I guess, which is probably not the right thing to do. I don't know. I'm, I'm intrigued. Uh, Lee, any any follow up on that? Well, I mean, you know, it, it is tough to, you know, to know when to strike, you know, you know with a deal. But, you know, I would like to see someone signed long term, you know, even if it is more PR reasons, which yeah. I think B, you know, BA would be be the guy to do that because I don't think he's 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 not going to be that expensive. You know, you have to sign long, you know, long term. So you know, and if you do it now before he, you know, he, you know, he gets really hot, you know, or or puts up a monster season, you know, you know, then I, and and I think it also it shows some sort of you know intent. Because we we we've, we've been years now of you know not having a single player you know like sign sign long term, so so to just do do one you know you know, you know for, for me would just show something you know that we are willing to you know you know spend some some money some you know somewhere. And BA pressure's going to be there, right? Now, now they've had they've got the TV deal, they've got the naming yeah. rights. Like the pressure's coming. Yeah, you know the. The, the questions will be asked, you know, you know, why aren't they spending it? They're valid. They're valid, but I, I'm not convinced they need to spend it right now anyway. That's, I think that's the interesting factor. Um, guys, final topic, I think, for today, uh, other than the emoji of the week, of course, which uh, will be coming up as the final piece. Um, I wanted to get everyone's take on, on the outfield situation specifically. And I guess that, for me, the way I see things going from a uh, rotation perspective is we're going to probably, at least in the short term anyway, be relying on 
um, some some of the younger guys to be up. We've got Nick Nider, I think, that, that is up for sure and will be starting. Uh, the question then is who becomes the fifth starter in the meantime? Or do we end up with a bullpen day or something um, if, if required? I don't know. Um, we'll wait and see. But for me, what this is saying to me is we're going we're gonna to be relying heavily on the pen. And that includes with Nider. That includes with, well, as we saw, Trevor Rogers needed the pen. Um, the starters aren't being given 100, 110 pitches right now either. So the pen is coming in early. So for me, I'm looking at this situation and thinking, I think we need the extra arm in the pen. So of the 26, I think we need 14 arms in total right now. That's just my view. And so the question then is, as Cooper comes back off the IL, um, there's a decision to make anyway. Maybe it's Holloway because it's easy to send him back down. But you know, longer term, guys, can we? do we think we're going to need to make a decision on one of these position players? Um, and if so, who's most likely to go? So we've got five true outfielders in there, which includes Brinson, includes Mags. Plus, we've got Cooper Loop that's playing the outfield as well. John Birdie also is out there. So really, there's... It's the outfield for me that is the obvious one because we have the versatility. So how do you guys see it going? And um, I'll start with you, Lee, on this one in terms of the roster construction now and if uh, if any decisions need to be made. Uh, if, yeah, if we are going to send someone, to me, it's Brinston. You know, um, it's been four years now. I mean, he's, well, I mean he's starting what, over seven now and he still doesn't look like he's he's got it for me. I, I think his time is up in Miami and I would be looking to find a trade you know, you know, for him, it, even if we have to, to package him with someone else. I think it's best for, for both parties now if he finds you know, a new home some, you know, somewhere else. Well, to me, it looks like it's the trade deadline today in, in, in MLB. I mean, there's been, what, three, four trades today knocking around? There's a deadline a soft deadline, I guess. So everyone's making moves. Um, hey, it wouldn't shock me if uh, if we, we we made a move today um, to to get you know Coop's in the lineup. Donnie's already confirmed it. The lineup we're record we're ten o'clock our time now, so it's five p.m. Um, Eastern. Still no lineups announced. That says to me something's going on. <laughs> I guess. Um, Sean, what about you on this one, buddy? I think with with the way that the league is set up at the moment, with the alternate side and and with the new minor league rules, where you've got more minor league teams being closer to the actual home team site rather than having some, you know, long distance flight distance between the, the two teams, I think we do see a situation where it's not as simple as oh they they're going to run with an extra pitcher and this that pitcher is going to be this person or they're going to run, they're going to put one back down, let's call it Brinson down. I think we're going to see a revolving door of situations where when the team think they need an extra arm, you're going to have an extra arm, whether maybe that's Holloway, that's maybe someone else. And then we sort of flex in having a four-man bench and a five-man bench, depending on, on fit and need of the situation. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one. It is a tough one. I, th- I think that's probably the most likely way it goes where you just kind of move arms around rather than having this fixed pen. Tyler, what about you on this, uh, on this topic, buddy? So I think Brinson's kind of the odd man out here. Uh, I don't necessarily know that they're going to be able to trade. They're going to trade him just because you got the one option. So you can call him up. I do think the next time he would come up, then I think he would definitely be traded rather than DFA'd. But I think the one big thing with the outfield is, I, you know, we're on the UK podcast. So let's just say it. it's a, it's a soccer terminology. It, when you're trying to keep everyone in form, then no one's going to be able to be informed. And that's kind of how I feel with the Marlins outfield right now. No one's getting really getting an extended period of time because everyone's getting alternated because Donnie's trying to keep Duvall happy, keep Diggerson happy, keep Brinson happy. And you got to keep Cooper happy because he's productive. So you, you, you're having all these pieces that you constantly have to alternate. You're going to have to start trimming down. You're going to have to have the pieces in the pen. So I, I definitely think it's probably Brinson because, like you said, there's so many versatile pieces in the outfield. And honestly, you don't need an outfield that is that big. Um, so I think you definitely got to send down Brinson. And um, I think you got to see how that one plays out because there's going to be bullpen pieces that are just going to kind of be duds and they're going to do a fade. I think Holloway – I kind of like him. I think it'd be kind of fun. Like mm-hmm. if they sent down, you know, if they sent down Brinson, that'd be kind of, all right. You know, like I, I'd be, I'm okay with that. I think I'd 
I would like to see how this plays out because I think there's too many mouths to feed and there's not enough food. Uh, so at some point, the Marlins have to start trimming this stuff down because you're not able to keep all these people happy. And if none of them can be informed, then there's no point in having all these outfielders in the first place because they're not getting consistent enough at bats. You look at Brinson last year, extreme confidence. You saw it in almost everything he did. He was extremely confident. If he struck out, he looked at himself. He's like, all right, you know, I can do better this time. This year, it's frustration. You know, he's thrown out at first, he throws the helmet. You know, you see the dissatisfaction on his face whenever he strikes out. His emotional psyche that he had last year, his confidence that he had last year, I think it's shot. I think it's gone. And I don't know if he's going to be able to get it back because I never thought he was going to be able to get it in the first place. Yeah. I, I think I agree with that on, on Brinson's demeanor anyway. It's, you know, again, it's early, right? But he's only made, he's made one start, but there's just not enough. There's not enough spots. I mean, it comes back to the root cause for the Marlins. We signed Aguilar as a DH and paid him to stay around and there's no DH. And then on top of that, you lay a Duval in there who again, I guess could have been a DH as well. And you're an outfielder, you know, Duval is what he is. He, I think one of you guys said it already on the pod, he could strike out three times just as easy as hit a solo home run. He'll hit around about 200 this year, probably 220 max, you know, hit 25 bombs, depending on how many plate appearances he gets. You know, he, he kind of is what he is. Um, I was, I wasn't high on the move at the time. Um, I'm <laughs> last time I said that he went on to absolutely blow it up the next game. So I'm hoping he does the same, but for me with Duvall, I'm, I'm just not convinced. I'm not convinced about Paul Campbell either. Wasn't in spring. I, I personally would be shocked if he lasts the whole year, to be honest, but we'll, you know, we'll have to see, um, you know, there's some decisions early for the Marlins here. Like there, there really is. And, um, you know, they were, they're hamstrung with no DH and they're hamstrung with two rule five guys giving themselves limited wiggle room. Plus they've now got two of the starters injured. So it really, it's really not been a great first four days. Like it, when you, I guess when you kind of summarize it, look back, Apart from Jazz Chisholm emerging as an as a star, we already knew he was, um, and the starting pitching really has not been too much that's that's been great. So, on that note, guys, um, let's get into it. Let's get into your emoji of the week. We will be rolling these all through the year. Uh, Tyler, I hope you've got an emoji queued up, buddy. I know you love your emojis. Um, so, Lee Dobbs, what have you got for us, buddy? Mine is going to be something that I love, and I know it seems to split, you know, opinion. It's got to be the band, the music, the, <laughs> the trumpet and the drum. The band will, the band's back, you know, in force. You know, I just think it adds something, something to the Marlins games, you know, at, at, at home. I know, I know I've seen people on, on, on Twitter don't like it, but, you know, it's, it's fun for me, and and I, I like it when there's a strikeout, they play the like, you know, funeral march tune, which, which, are, which, which was so, you know, funny for me. So, yeah, for, for me, my, my emoji is the like drum and trumpet. Yeah, love it, buddy. I, you know, there was a lot of buzz on Twitter about this band. Maybe people who haven't, you know, watched a lot of Marlins games in the past, they were like, whoa, what's, what's the Marlins doing? They got this mariachi band playing and, and whatever. So I, you know, absolutely. I, every, every, anyone who was tweeting about that, I was tagging you in there. I wanted you to be involved. I know you love those guys. So great, great emojis, mate. Uh, proper Lee Dobbs pick for sure. Sean Barrett, what have you got for us, buddy? I think probably one that I use quite a lot is the, uh, I don't know uh, emoji. I think it is too early and we are, we are you know, talking about such a small sample size. You know, but I think you know it's it's good to have baseball back, and I think you know having having it back now and having something to be looking forward to every day, as far as watching the games, is something that you know is is a great thing. But you know, we'll as we get into the season, we'll we'll learn more about this team, and and we'll have more excitement, I'm sure. But at the moment, yeah, it's just it's just too early to tell. Who knows? I've got it. I've got you, buddy, Tyler. Over to you, mate. Debut pod, debut emoji. What have you got for us? I think my emoji is going to be the money bag um, because there's a lot of talk this offseason about look at all the money we got. Um, and I think in the past, we got to kind of look at the ball signing. Okay, questionable. I'm not entirely for certain he solves more problems than he causes. But I'm interested in the money bag is definitely an emoji because 
uh, it doesn't look like they spent the money right or they didn't really spend any at all this year. Um, instead of spending any money in the bullpen, they kind of just pushed it off a little bit. Anthony Bass, I'm not entirely certain he should be an MLB closer, but he's in the role because he has to. Um, so I, I think it's the money to me because it kind of shows a little bit couldn't why couldn't they have gone a little bit more on Brandon Kinsler? Um, I'd like to see more money spent in the lineup, and I think uh, I could use a money bag, I think, for a lot of the year. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like it, mate. Good good rationale behind it. Uh, there's been a few, so I put it on Twitter. So um, Tommy, our Finnish friend, uh, replied with, with the saxophone. I think I know what he's talking about there. He loves jazz, I guess. Um, Eric Pabon, he's used two emojis, and it is – uh, basically saying no bats, as in the offense is cold. Um, Will has put the emoji that is just the two eyes and no no mouth. So I'm not saying anything uh, right now. Uh, Juntos Fish has put down an unhappy face. Gabriel Garcia has put a thinking face. Um, I My emoji, there's a few I was thinking of, but really for me, the one moment that stands out is this Anthony Bass blown save? And I'm just going to put the um, the grimacing teeth uh, emoji. I think that's it for me. Uh, I I wasn't convinced on the signing. I I, pref- I would have been happy for Kinsler to keep in the role. Um, it's early days, but yeah, it it hasn't started well. First save opportunity and then gets absolutely blown up. That is not what you're looking for from from your closer. The hype video was big. Um, and thus far, um, you know, performance hasn't quite matched up to that. So I think that's it. Guys, I think that's going to be us for this week, unless I have missed anything. Have I missed anything? No, the boys are saying no. So nothing has been missed. Um, we will be back next Tuesday, of course. Um, and to the guys, um, you know, we, we're, we're four games in. We're finishing up with the cards then we've got some real nice UK friendly games coming up against the Mets. So real nice series against the Mets. And then by the time we speak next time, we'd have played at least one. Yeah. We'd have played one game against the Braves. So we've got a four game series against the Braves. So, you know, we're going to have a good look at most of the, um, you know, some of the NL East anyway, by the time we, we next speak, which will be good. Um, so guys, uh, Lee Dobbs, uh, Sean Barrett, the uh, UK goats. Appreciate it guys. Uh, Tyler Wilson. Thanks so much, buddy, for joining us. I hope you enjoyed it. Absolutely. I really enjoyed it. I think uh, you did an excellent job hosting it. And uh, I think you guys gave some great, great insight. And uh, I'm excited to listen to the podcast moving forward, as I always have in the past. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You're the man, Tyler. Really appreciate it, buddy. That was literally with, with 25 minutes notice. It was, here's a Zoom link. Uh, we're going to hit record and talk some Marlins baseball. And uh, he stepped up to the plate. So appreciate it. Guys, that's it for episode 87. We're back next Tuesday. Uh, Let's hope for some serious offensive production, uh, stud starters, and no blown saves. Until then, stay safe and go fish. Go fish.